Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here is a man who would never divide three into two, my math-deficient friend, Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? Uh, I, I'm doing okay. I injured my toe playing overly aggressive kickball with uh, fifth graders today, but I, I can hang on for the podcast. And uh, I'm slightly upset about my math deficiency, but definitely admit that that's your area of expertise, James B. Sure, sure. Can we just go back to the fact that you have a kickball injury? <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> my big toe on my right foot. It's, it's not doing well. Pretty bad. Uh, you know, I, I'm having trouble keeping up with the uh, 11, 12-year-olds that I'm teaching right now. Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie, today we're going to talk about two Marvel team-ups and one amazing Spider-Man issue. You could say it's the magic three of books today. Ah, uh, yes. Speaking of things in three, back for his third appearance, our Marvel historian and Spider-Man fan, Travis Bowe, is here. We are cockamamied to have you join us. Travis, how's it going? Yes, yes, good, good, all that. All the pleasantries, <laughs> let's get them out of the way so that James B. can do the intro and we can talk about the mind worm. <laughs> right to business! Oh, it's going to take a while before you get to the mind worm, Eddie. So. Come on, let's go! <laughs> okay, okay, sorry, sorry. From September of 1974, Stanley presents Marvel Team Up 25, Spider-Man and Daredevil in Three Into Two Won't Go. Written by Len Wein, art by Jim Mooney, and Frank Yakoya. Spidey's lackadaisically reading the latest issue of Crazy When a Cat-Dressed Cat Burglar Tiptoes. Bye. The two tangle until Daredevil shows up to fight Spider-Man, just like every hero meeting first time ever mm-hmm. uh while they are fighting the Catman escapes and daredevil stops to explain that birdman who is part of the unholy three kidnapped a prominent judge's daughter earlier that day and spider-man screwed up daredevil tracking the Catman back to the unholy three's hideout thankfully daredevil's got a nose like a hound i he could also be a, a sommelier here you know little wine taster gentlemen you don't have to explain to me, Eddie, what a sommelier is, because I looked it up. <laughs> oh, excellent. Good. Thank you, James B. <laughs> speaking, speaking of well-aged goodies, Travis, according to the editor, the Unholy Three are back after a decade-long absence from Daredevil way back in issue four. Um, you're the Marvel historian. Did you miss them? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I prefer them when they are the uh, the Batman trio of villains the terrible trio and even then i don't care for them so no these are my least favorite group of villains maybe wait who are the who are the terrible trio it's like, uh fox vulture and shark they go oh, way no. way back wait three animals <laughs> yes. they're called the terrible trio this is a completely different name these are the unholy three mm. you're mixing up these guys this is nothing in common these are completely different <laughs> animal creations Speaking of the Unholy Three, Spider-Man and Daredevil track them down near a shack in Coney Island, and through a visually elaborate fight sequence, uh, they defeat them. And now for a new segment titled, It's Not Shakespeare, It's Marvel Team-Ups. For the listeners out there, I felt we need to bring to life some of these panels in here. So um, we're going we're gonna to each take a character. I, I call Catman. Oh, I, I want Birdman. Isn't Birdman a lawyer? <laughs> it's a Michael Keaton character. <laughs> oh, okay. I think he's both. 
I think he's a lawyer too. Uh, I'm, I'm apparently I'm eight. There you go, James B. Well, you start us off in, uh, what are we going to say? This is page five here, James B. In this book? I think it's 15. I know what oh, you want to do. All right. All right. Actually, no, Birdman goes first. I'll just do the narrator voice. Oh, okay. All right. Start us off, James <clears throat> B. All right. The narrator basically says, um, cut to a certain Drakeppert seaside bait shack a short while later. A decaying, foul-smelling monstrosity made all the more foreboding by the chill spring rain that has begun to fall, the sort of place that makes a perfect hideout for such as the unholy three. So, the prodigal cat returns. It certainly took you long enough. Yeah, we was beginning to think you wasn't bother coming back with the loot. Well, error about the money, meow. I, uh, I don't have it. Wait, you don't what? What do you mean, you, I don't have it? If you're holding out on us, my sure-footed friend, you'll regret it. Come on, Birdman. You know, me better than anybody. It ain't my fault everything got loused up. I kept watch at Callahan's house all day just like you told me. Even arranged for that blind pal of the DA to deliver the ransom. Heck, things were going great until Spider-Man butted in. Meow. It... If Daredevil hadn't showed up, the wall crawler would have nailed me for sure. You mean you lost the loot to them two creeps? We ain't get nothing? Now that's really too bad because if we've been stung, the little girly here is going to have to pay for it. No, no, don't. Please don't hurt me. It isn't my fault this happened. Please keep away from me. Keep away. Go ahead, girly, scream. There ain't nobody for miles around to hear ya. <laughs> it's not Shakespeare, it's Marvel team ups. Well, I noticed in this scene when the when the uh, daughter is being taken away here, Spider-Man fashions a web wall and it is bulletproof. Did you guys see this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Eddie, we didn't talk about this very much. In We covered Marvel Team 21 in the last yes, podcast. And in 21, when he was fighting against Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange shoots his, whatever Doctor Strange shoots, his laser bolts from his hand or magic. And Spider-Man shoots his web and they block each other. <laughs> and I was going to tell you back then, geez, Spider-Man's web is strong enough to deflect Doctor Strange's blows. And uh, yeah, apparently can stop a bullet too. No problem. Travis? It, uh, Spider-Man's webbing is, it's like Green Lantern's energy constructs. It really, he can he can make, I've seen him make baseball bats. I've seen him make life-size dummies that he can dress up as Peter Parker to throw people off. As far as the density goes, uh, nothing surprises me anymore. I mean, it's, it's, it's as dense as the plot needs it to be, so... <laughs> Oh, yes. Well, I, I'm well aware of the many web creations that could have occurred. But the other thing that caught my eye here is um, it appears Birdman and Catman are humans in costumes, but Ape Man is actually an ape. Do we agree on that? Um, it's funny. I actually could go either way on Catman. I thought he might be a cat. I mean, I Birdman has detachable wings, so I think he's a guy. I think Ape Man is an ape. I don't know about Catman. I, I'm not. I'm not willing to go all the way. Uh, Travis, what are you thinking? Uh, currently, they're all humans, and oh. in about a year, 
Count Nefaria will turn them into monsters, basically give them animalistic uh, powers to go with their namesakes. So, but right now they're all just men. Even Ape Man is wearing uh, a costume. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, they're they were all put together by a, a really lame Daredevil villain called the Organizer. And yeah, they're just. I'm sorry. Did you say they were put together by someone named the Organizer? Yeah, you know. Given costumes and, and could you say they were organized? <laughs> do you want to do a? We, is this the issue you want to talk about, Travis? Or we should move on. Let's let's keep this thing going. You want to get to mine, right? Master here. Okay. <laughs> All right. Tell us about it, James. What's our other Marvel team up? From October of 1974, Stanley presents Marvel Team Up 26, featuring the Human Torch and Thor in <laughs> the Human Torch and Thor. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> The Fire This Time, written by Len Wein, art by Jim Mooney. Well, the Human Torch finds a lava man named Molto, who tells Thor that the lava witch doctor, Jinku, stole the Mole Man's machine capable of erupting the world's volcanoes. Although Jinku manages a clever ruse, he and his lava people are eventually defeated in a battle involving hundreds of thousands of combatants, and they return to their lava-y home. There's a lot going on in this book, and that's all the summary you're getting. Yeah, well, there's no Spider-Man in this book, so I don't really want to spend any more time on it either. So, because Travis came here just to talk about the Mind Worm, so let's get going on that one. Everyone who read Marvel Team of 26 with us, hope you enjoyed it. But for now, <laughs> finally, Stanley presents, from November of 1974, The Amazing Spider-Man 138, Madness Means the Mind Worm, written by Jerry Conway. Art by Ross Andrew, inked by Frank Yakoya and D. Hunt, editor Roy Thomas. Eddie, I see you wanted me to mention the editor. I just thought we haven't kind of mentioned who's been editing for a while, and it's been Roy Thomas for a while, and I assume for a while in the future. Well, when Stan became the publisher in 1972, he gave up writing Amazing Spider-Man, and I was reading Fantastic Four, he gave up that one as well. And uh, Roy became the editor. If you notice, it always says Stanley Presents at the front now because he is the publisher. Roy Thomas is, you know, not the publisher. He's the editor. Travis, do you know anything else about rascally Roy Thomas? Uh, Uh, You're the Let's Read Spider-Man Marvel historian. So he's been around for a while and, yeah, now is is still pretty young and, and now the editor. And he go he was with Marvel for quite a while. I associate him with these books. You know, they just go together, you know. Huh. This era of Spider-Man is just very Roy Thomas for me. All right. Well, um, at the beginning of this book, Spidey sits in his exploded apartment when there's a knock at the door, which the landlord gives him an eviction notice. Uh, Peter gets evicted here. Yeah, he does. He's a bad tenant. <laughs> He's a bad roommate, too. He's a bad friend. Um, Eddie, what's up with Aunt May? He he implies he can't go live with Aunt May. When and why is she back with Anna Watson? What did I miss? I guess uh, Doc Ock booted her out. Can we assume Doc Ock has come back to his residence in uh, Westchester? And it's like, sorry, don't need you to take I, care of the house anymore. I, I hate to say this, but isn't is Doc Ock like in jail or not? I can't keep track. Oh, he exploded. He How could I forget? Yeah, I'm sorry. And a nuclear I that, explosion. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that she can't just go back to the house that she's been in all alone anyway? Put up for auction? <laughs> she's so distraught that she can't be in the house anymore? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, yeah. All right, well, just keep going, I all guess. Right. But I, you know, uh, it seems like he should be able to live with her if he needed to, but whatever. 
Thankfully, Flash lets Peter stay in his place way out in Queens. I, I immediately found this to be a problem because there's like houses in Queens, not high rises. And Spider-Man's mode of transportation is to swing between tall buildings, right? What's going to happen here? As far as I know, Spider-Man's always been from Queens. Like Forest Hills, Queens is oh. where he's always, you know, typically taken up residence. Unless he's lived in the city when he's in his college days or, or you know, yeah, around this time or, or later in the 80s. I think he is in the city. But, yeah, Spider-Man is used to swinging from, from oh, Queens. Huh. Oh, well, there we have the historian. Thank you, Travis. <laughs> um the biggest problem with Flash's place is that the Mind Worm lives in the same apartment complex, and with practiced psychic powers, he hypnotizes the residents of the whole apartment. When the Mind Worm notices Spidey is immune to the hypnosis, he commands the zombie bystanders to attack. <laughs> Spidey finds Mind Worm, and they duel. Spidey gives the worm a sharp <laughs> to his ears, and he becomes powerless. The police arrive and Mindworm collapses into a state of depression, and that's it, right? Eddie, does the Mindworm permanently not have his powers after he gets boxed in the ears, or do you think this will go away? This, I assume they'll come back, but I, I thought this wasn't the end of the Mindworm. How could just getting hit in the ears once really, like, force you into total submission? I, Well, his ears are ringing, and then he can't think, but Eddie... At the end of the book, the cops have been coming to see what's going on with this, you know, giant sleepwalking group of people for whatever reason. And they show up and then Peter's there, but there's no Spider-Man and all the people are just walking away. No one's here to tell the cops what Mindworm did. There's no victims to the crime. Is this Marvel team up now? Is he just going to get off scot-free? I guess just staying in vogue with the uh, typical ending of a Marvel team up there. They're just going to stare at him. And unless he admits his guilt, um, he's, he's going to crawl back to his apartment. I think the police were very perceptive earlier on when they, or, you know, organized the military to get involved. Like, I think they figured out something is going on here. Uh, I don't, I don't. So you think that you think it's implied that the cops know he's behind yeah, it? Yeah, I think way. so. Okay. That is right. a little vague as to, as to what happens to him next. But Well, with a good lawyer, the mindworm, just like Peter, should be able to get off his eviction. But uh, I think the mindworm here is the creepiest looking villain that we've seen <laughs> thus far. Uh, Travis, do you have anything to tell us about the mindworm? Um, I love how creepy he is in this. He's like a... He looks like a... A bunny wearing a 1920s swimmer, you know, swimsuit outfit. I don't know. But, yeah, I like how it, in all the flashbacks, he's just an evil baby. So, You guys want to hear something crazy about the Mindworm and this issue? Yeah. yeah. So this issue caused Marvel to get... To get a lawsuit when he, when Jerry Conway was working with Ross Andrew, Ross Andrew was known for his realistic depictions in his drawings of real buildings and real, you know, uh, landmarks throughout New York. Well, Ross Andrew lived in Far Rockaway as well. He lived like a mile from this house that he drew, you know, in in a realistic setting and uh, 
the owner of the house started to get people knocking on the door. Does the mind worm live here? You know, hey, we're, you know, and this <laughs> oh, house wow. owner was, uh, what are you talking about? What is this? And apparently was getting uh, badgered enough by Spider-Man fans about the mind worm that he threatened or or sued Marvel and they settled out of court. Or that's crazy. Yeah. Whoa. And you can hear Jerry Conway Conway tell that story in various places. It's it's all over the internet if you just want to look up Jerry Conway mind worm lawsuit, you'll find it. Now we got Travis Bow, Marvel <laughs> historian. We don't do any of the work. That's what you do. That's why you're here. Yeah. You tell us things about Roy Thomas, you tell us things about the mind worm. You can tell us why Marvel Team-Up doesn't have Spider-Man in it for 10 issues. <laughs> Travis, besides the mind worm being the legal um, issue, which, by the way, I thought there was going to be a complaint because he mentions like that someone's polluting the area and babies are coming out warped or something like oh. that. <laughs> I thought that's what you're going to go for. But because besides that, do you like this mind worm issue at all? I do. I like how in kind of a 180 from the way I liked the sad sack, Martin blank, the Gibbon yep. backstory. Uh, mm-hmm. This one, he's painted as this little monster. I mean, every panel he's shown in, he's an evil baby or an evil child. Right. Um, so I like that there's this just evilness about him. And then the mother is like, he's, he's a psychic vampire. You know, so he's draining his parents. His dad finally gets freaked out and runs out and gets killed. And it's like while the mind worm, William Turner, is just like watching through the window. Um, I I think there's some things you could do with this character that I'd like to see. I mean, he only has four appearances in the in the Marvel in the 616 universe. All right. Well. Um, one thing that you can't tell us is who our sponsor is. That's because, uh, you know, only I know. But you might know the sponsor, Travis, because the sponsor is a returning sponsor. And Eddie All loves right. returning sponsors. Eddie, International Spy is looking for people who like to help people. All around the world, tenants want to move, but they have those annoying leases. International Spy is hiring associates to blow up people's apartments to help them break leases. Does that sound too boring for you, just blowing up someone's apartment? Well, if you're looking for more of a challenge, International Spy will help you rig the starters on leased cars so people can get out of those leases too, but that's a little more challenging. Uh, simply put, JD Power & Associates still rank International Spy tops in death and dismemberment benefits to loved ones. Eddie, you get 25 years salary. It's way better than what you have right now. So don't blow up this second chance. Break up with your old job and join International Spy. See their ad during Access Hollywood this Wednesday. So here you guys go. If you uh, would like to, I don't know if you remember International Spy before. They're uh, they're an organization that um, Peter Parker's parents. Yeah, um, that's true. You know, had some in, had some in, in, in uh, were involved in in some way. But uh, Eddie. What would you like to do as far as your family and giving them some really good death and dismember benefits? So I'm going to be blown up by the sponsor. No, 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 no. That's like, it's just better insurance. Don't you, do you have insurance right now at your current job? Uh, uh, yes, I do. Hope not to use it, but you have, you want the best insurance for your family, right? <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. Do you have life, do you have life insurance? I do, James B. It's a wise thing to do. 
JD Power and Associates rank international supply tops in death and dismemberment benefits. So, <laughs> you know, um, so I want to pass on this, James. Me, <laughs> sounds sounds like I won't be able to record. Let's read Spider Man if <laughs> the sponsor well, has you're, their way. This is like a you're like a superhero helping people break their leases. Be like, hey, I can't afford my lease. Oh, now I can because the landlord just ripped it up right in front of me. <laughs> Do you remember when it happened to Peter Parker where the landlord showed up and said, oh, you blew up your apartment and ripped up yeah, the lease? Yeah, that was it. it. You're, you're done as a tenant. Travis, um, I'm not really sure what you're doing these days, but are you interested in joining International Spy? I'm eating it right now. <laughs> All right, Travis. Sorry, the last two sponsors were food-related, and that was my response. So I, I went for the hat trick. We're all about trios here, right? Uh, James B., this is what you got to work with. Travis, why don't you tell us um, how some of the stuff about Marvel Events podcast, huh? Yeah, uh, check out Marvel Events Timeline. We go through the history of Timely and Atlas and Marvel Comics. Um, I'm really excited about the most recent episode. Uh, we go back to uh, when a bunch of Timely Comics writers and artists left to go fight in the war. And they can find that on all the podcasts. Yeah, uh, Marvel podcasters. Events Pod on Twitter and Instagram. But just search Marvel Events Timeline. And when you're done uh, checking that out, I do really enjoy the Marvel Events Timeline. Uh, but I want to mention that uh, I appreciate the fact that recently on your other podcast, because you can manage two of them, you have the Real Comic Heroes which covers uh, movies, and you were nice enough to have me join you on episode 142, which we did uh, Austin Powers. So thank you for letting me be on that. And if anybody wants to hear me and Travis again, that's a great place you can uh, you can hear us. Yeah, that was a fun one. Yeah. Also, you can hear Travis uh, two earlier podcasts if you uh, go back. I don't have the numbers <laughs> handy, but uh, you know you can scroll. I'm sure you've already listened to him by then, Eddie. Where can you find uh, where can you find us? Uh, you can email us anytime at let's read Spider-Man at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at let's read Spidey. And listeners, it's time for the close. Um, I'm James B. here with Eddie and special guest Travis. And remember, listeners, if your best friend blows up your apartment, you might get evicted. So don't let your friends blow up your apartment. Goodbye. 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 So in Marvel Team Up 26, what did you guys think? Did you like this book or not? I, I, I can be convinced either way that it's a good book or a bad book. It's fine. That's kind of my feeling about it, too. And it's fine for me because I like the kind of plot twist where basically they fool Thor into going into the underground to take his hammer and power the machine. I, that that was rather clever for me. Let me jump onto something else real quick. Um, Eddie, you had some comments about you wanted to see Thor and the Mole Man fight. Oh, my God. I, I think this would be just such a great, <laughs> weird matchup. <laughs> And it was definitely possible. I mean, the Mole Man is not with his mole people. And this battle is epic. They say, like, the population of Providence, Rhode Island versus the population of Boise, Idaho, which, I don't know, in 1974, how big that was. Probably not too big. But, um, yeah, is there an otter kind of matchup that we could think of besides Thor versus the Mole Man? (laughs) 
I can't believe those guys are humans. I that the ape man does not look human at all. Like at all. Again, Catman, I can see he, he has like a beard with like a Oh, yeah. Trav, okay. I got to Travis, why do they have these like radio ears? All of them have like oh. headsets. So that's because the organizer would monitor he would monitor them when he sent them out. So he could radio them, communicate with them. The things that they're wearing on their chests were like cameras so he could the organizer could see everything. Oh. So that's a holdover from that. I'm guessing the artist didn't know that that was specific to them working for the organizer and just drew it in That's as well. Funny. I, yeah, and, they didn't use them and, at all. I, 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 the characters don't know it either. <laughs> um, what I think is really funny is the uh, the Shakespearean segment that you had, and you had an issue with Thor, who's known for Shakespearean dialogue, and that's not the one that gets the Shakespeare segment. Eddie, that's on you. <laughs> oh, my. Well...